released on Sunday, July 3rd, 2016. This Saturday Live episode 111. You can't reason with a methodologist. The software industry transforms more and more every day. Agile methods are quickly replacing traditional ones. The question is, are you agile enough? This podcast is devoted to agile and lean software development. Time to welcome your agile coaches on This Agile Life. Hello, everyone. I'm John Sextro. Joining me this episode, we have Craig Buchak. Hello. Contrary to the rumors, I am wearing pants. Oh, there was a rumor about that, eh? I think I started that rumor. Yep. Yeah, that, that sounds like me. Craig also with us, our good friend Jason Tice. Hi, John and Craig. What are you both trying to improve this evening? Oh, you're back on you're back on that opening line now? Oh yeah, it's all about continuous improvement, and um I'm glad to be back. I uh well sometime we'll We'll tell the story of what it's like to do nine events in six weeks. And really cool. I want to say thank you to many of the listeners I met. I had a chance to meet and work with over 1,400 different people at nine different live events in April 2016 and May 2016. So it's a cool, cool story. So, but thank you to everyone I met and I had a chance to hang out with uh, recently. So, well, Jason, let's make it 1,401. Ooh. By welcoming our special guest tonight, Dave West. Hey, Dave. Hi. Hey, John. Hey, Craig, Jason. Good to be here. Well, it's good to have you. And for all of our listeners, Dave is the current product owner of Scrum.org. Dave, what's, yeah. what's that all about? What's, uh, what is it, what's entailed with being the product owner of Scrum.org? Um, I don't like the way you said current. That was a little bit worrying. Made me think that I was going to lose my job or something. I'll, but, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll revert back to my old description as new since October product owner of scrum.org. Yeah. So yeah, I'm the product owner at, at scrum.org. So um, can you imagine a life where your primary stakeholders and is, well, one of them is Ken Schwaber, the, uh, one of the uh, creators of scrum, pretty much my job is to, it's got a number of different levels. Primarily, my job is to care about the future of Scrum, keep it relevant, keep it up to date, and to build an organization around that that um, has enough money to keep it vibrant and keep it up to date. So, so I I help run Scrum.org. You know, our community of 164 professional Scrum trainers, the training materials, the assessments. You know, over a million people have taken our online assessments, which is a pretty staggering number. I uh, obviously working heavily on some of the new stuff, which I hopefully will have a chance to talk about, talk about today and, and generally trying to keep Scrum there, trying to keep it relevant and vibrant. Seems like you're doing a good job of keeping it relevant. We certainly hear a lot here about Scrum. Uh, but it sounds like you have your hands quite full. <laughs> well, working with Ken and and uh, I get to see Jeff quite a bit as well. Yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's sort of you know, it's funny because obviously both of them defined product owner being the only person that can you know sort of take control and own the thing. It literally owns the product if if you consider Scrum as a product. And then you know, Ken's like, well. I'd like to do this. And I have to say, hang on, there's only one product owner, Ken. You said it. And um, he's like, damn it. 
you caught me out again. So yes, it is a it is an interesting interesting job. And actually, this year in particular, it's 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 a pretty important year for Scrum twenty one, which uh, in America, which I know from my accent you wouldn't guess, but I actually live in in Boston. Um, uh, very near Ken. He lives, actually lives uh-huh. in Lexington. Um, yeah. So in America, 21 is an important, an important birthday. And uh, we think it's a pretty important birthday for Scrum. So Scrum can start drinking now. Yeah, I think it has been on the on the lowdown. I think it oh. actually has been drinking quite a lot beforehand, sort of, you know, at parties and things. But yeah, <laughs> legally, it can go and order a glass of wine in a restaurant and, uh, and not have to use its fake ID. Hey, um, hey Dave, what's the date? Do you know the date of when uh, was? So I, I know the month, August. Um, so it was Upslart in Texas. And uh, they, uh, Jeff and Ken, basically did a presentation which called it Scrum, called out a lot of the stuff we see today. Not exactly the same, but virtually the same. It hasn't changed much, actually, because um, uh, we're actually having a lot of conversations. Um, there's a webcast on the 6th of July with, uh, with Jeff and Ken presenting about some changes to the Scrum Guide. I can't tell you what's in it because um, I don't want to, you know, uh, you know, sort of wreck the whole season for you, as it were, tell you who, who does what, you know, but um, <laughs> no spoilers, no spoilers. I'm afraid I've been sworn not to, but, but because of that, we've been having a lot of conversations, Jeff, Ken, myself, a few other people ab- about, about the sort of evolution and the history of Scrum. And it's, it's impressive how little has changed in those 21 years. You know, the, obviously the, the concepts around, empirical process the the ideas of uh the the sprint the the ideas of the backlog all of those mechanisms have pretty much stayed intact and some of the peripheral stuff um has has changed a little bit around that sort of refinement has been in and out and and things like that um grooming it was called you know things like that have changed but generally the essence of scrum has, has stayed pretty much there which attests to its maybe it's 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 goodness maybe it's um you know it's power maybe i don't know so it's it's interesting that we're that uh, august is the is the date so it's a sort of summer baby as it were and dave do you guys have a big celebration planned for august yeah no, we're, we've been talking about that a bit because we're also doing an office refit funnily our office um is actually in the building where jeff and ken tried it they didn't actually tell anybody they were trying it. In fact, I think they actually lied about what they were doing. It was probably they called, probably called it something SSADM or some other or Ration Unified Process or something, and um, <laughs> they sort of lied <laughs> and just did it without telling their customer because you know last thing they wanted to do was tell that that person. So um, and that's where they tried all these ideas and failed horribly at some and learned a lot about others and it's actually in the in the same building in burlington which is uh uh just outside uh boston and we're just doing a refit of the offices so it's interesting that so we're talking about a party for that because uh, you know new carpet you should always have a party just to wreck it so that you have to buy some more carpet uh, a, a few days later but yeah so we're actually sort of trying to combine those things so yeah it would be fun wouldn't it yeah sure would well, why don't we dive into some Scrum conversation, and I'll, I'll throw it over to Jason. I know he's chomping at the bit to uh, throw some yes, some Scrum I, talk done, your way, Dave. I've 
I've done some copious notes in advance because one, when I was my Dave, when I heard we were going, you know, I, I said, and John said, you know, product owner of scrum.org. I said, Oh my goodness. That is a question that I have been asked multiple times in the last, I want to say six weeks, especially as I've been out at a bunch of conferences, which is, could you explain the difference between your role at scrum.org and then also the scrum Alliance? And are, is that one and the same? Is it two entities and what's going on there? Cause People have approached me because they're confused. Yeah, and, and that's a fair confusion because so um, it's it's an interesting history, and 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 I'll try to try to describe it in a way that everybody broadly understands. So um, the Agile Manifesto was signed. We all remember that. And after the Agile Manifesto was signed, uh, interestingly, I was the RUP product manager when the Agile Manifesto was signed. So uh, uh, Grady, uh, who I worked with, was invited, and we were so arrogant that we said, oh, those rad guys, what do they know about software development? God, how wrong we, we were. So it just shows you, doesn't it? Anyway, but when the Agile Manifesto was signed, there was loads of emails afterwards to, to Ken and the gang about needing to create something. So Ken created, with some others, the Agile Alliance in 2001. Mm-hmm. Um, realized that that wasn't a great way of managing innovation, the way it was structured, et cetera. And, and so he then, in 2004, created Scrum Alliance with the, the mission to really continue to innovate instead of just on Agile generally, but on Scrum. Use Scrum, create a commercial model around it, which he did very successfully with the CSTs and, and you know, the, the mechanisms around that, Scrum Master and, and the like. Now, the Scrum Alliance grew he created a, a beast, as it were, a, a good beast, but it, it grew. And it grew to such an extent that it wasn't really focusing on the things that Ken was interested in. Now, you guys probably know Ken. You've, you've met him a lot. And he's very, very interested in software development and the profession of software development. Scrum Alliance was moving into more general management thinking, the application of Scrum in, in all sorts of domains, all very interesting and valid, but but not around software development. He also was maniacal around assessment and so uh, he was really wanted to decouple the assessment vehicles from the training for many reasons uh, one because you shouldn't have to maybe you're in a country what doesn't have access to training maybe you're you know in a state in your life where you you can't afford to go on training you shouldn't have to go on a training class to be certified in something instead you should have to demonstrate knowledge so he wanted to decouple the assessments and and the business model around Scrum Alliance wasn't really built for that. You know, some really, really, really good trainers doing their thing. They were like, oh, hang on a minute. That challenges how I do my job, et cetera. And, and so coupled with the maniacal focus on software development, which wasn't in the interests of, of Scrum Alliance, in um, uh, 2008, he, he founded, he left Scrum Alliance. Um, unfortunately, he had a bit of a bike accident, which sort of, uh, created this, the timing, as it were. He had a lot of time sitting around with his legs up, as it were. And um, and he created Scrum.org really with the focus not on this general sort of Scrum stuff, even though it's very Scrum-oriented in the title, but more around the profession of software development and, dare I say, delivery now, the, the improving that profession. And, and so, you know, the one of the very first classes and associated as, as certifications that we concentrated on was professional scrum developer. And that, that was a very, it's 
technical. It, it basically brings back the XP stuff that, that was very, very clear in the, in the first books and throws it into Scrum in a lot more effective, a lot more, you know, sort of transparent way and assesses that afterwards. And, and then obviously PSM, PSPO and, and the like. And, and, you know, when you look at some of the innovations we're, we're taking on now with, with Nexus and, and scale professional Scrum, um, some other things which maybe I'll talk about later. They're very software centric, and you know it, it's funny. DevOps has sort of come along almost because we haven't been software centric in our pursuit of done. You know, uh, we believe people have sort of looked at potentially shippable potentially as a an opportunity to abuse it horribly. No, no, we mean shippable. The reason why we say potentially is because the product owner can decide, not because not because the software don't work in production. You know, the the idea that actually you can only release, we treat you know the the uh, sprint review as a as a phase gate. What the hell? No, no, no. It's a way of inspecting. And therefore, adapting on that sprint, you know, mecha and that sprint sprint cadence, you know, those sort of mistakes have sort of crept in into our industry, and uh, and ultimately, we're we're trying to sort of focus on getting rid of those. And DevOps is in as a result, probably of not us not as a as the agile community and the Scrum community of fixing that concept of done. So Scrum.org is very focused on software delivery. It's very focused on on proving it and the, and the profession, improving the profession of, of software delivery. And, um, and that's, you know, that's why we exist. Scrum Alliance, awesome people doing some awesome things, very much more focused on the world of work. So you know, management in the broadest sense. Um, and uh, I think that differentiates us and allows us to, to, to provide value to the market, both organizations. And we still talk, you know, Scrum Alliance support the Scrum Guide, which is um, not part of Scrum.org, but we we provide infrastructure for it. And uh, and that's that's owned by Jeff and Ken. They, you know, they we, we, we're friends. Manny, whenever he comes to Boston, we go out for dinner and and uh, and he entertains for an evening. Um, so it's all it's all goodness. Does that make sense? Does that answer your question? Sorry. Yeah, it actually does. And I appreciate it because it's, it's actually interesting. And one of the, I'll call it one of the controversies in the Azure community that happened earlier this year was when the Agile Alliance, they organized the inaugural Agile Technical Conference uh, down in Raleigh, North Carolina in April 2016. Hmm. And they had a matrix they posted of like topics. And like Scrum was a banned topic for discussion at that conference because just like you mentioned about Scrum.org, this was the Alliance's effort to redirect focus back to technical practices. Yeah. So very, very much the whole thing there that the Alliance is doing with that conference and all the stuff associated with it is very much what I'm hearing aligned to the focus of scrum.org. Yeah. And that's exactly, I mean, yeah, it's funny. Look at our PSTs, but 160 odd of them and um, a number of them. You know, probably over 30 are uh, MVP, you know, the Microsoft most valuable um, player, I guess. In, in, yeah. is, uh, I, I want to call them programmer probably is what I want to call it, but I'm sure it's something more American and sport analogy. Yes. But um, the, it, 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 it's, it's interesting that these are very technical people and, um, 
you know, and even though my bias is more of a Java type, uh, you know, and we get into very heated philosophical debates, less so than we used to about that. They're very technical. We talk about technical practices. We talk about code smells, TDD. We argue about BDD. We, you know, the, 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 the usual kind of stuff that you'd expect. And uh, that doesn't mean we don't have people in our community that are more managerial oriented, but that, that technical sort of part of our of our, our stories is very strong and yeah. and we're investing in that and done it doesn't it disappoint you guys that that people still people have more definitions of done you know than eskimos have of 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 uh, snow you know when you say to a software engineer <laughs> is it done they say yes and you say oh i'm going to release it to production they say oh no it's got to go through system security <laughs> testing it's got to go <laughs> through oh my god no we haven't you know uh, we, we, even though we we are using container technology, obviously that isn't produ- productionized containers. Um, Ops is going to have to completely decouple that and put it into all sorts of different models and and the like. Um, yeah, no, no, we can't release to production yet. You're like, what well, is it done? Oh no, it's not done. Done. Okay, well, okay, I get it. No, I don't really. So it, it sort of disappoints us, and and I think to some extent it's uh, the, these engineering practices that you you talked about, and you know they're very evident in our in our professional Scrum developer uh, materials and assessments, uh, um, and to teach that you have to be able to write code um, that doesn't mean everybody that goes on psd has to be able to write code you it's a sort of team kind of activity people is self-organizing obviously so people uh, to their strengths but the um but yeah co- code and development and and the like are, are key parts of that i'm i'm happy to hear that there's a renewed focus on the engineering practices it seems like there's a trend right now in the industry uh focused on renewing the hope within the engineering practices and reinvigorating the fire uh, that we once had with XP around engineering practices, Dave. So is there more you can tell us about? Yeah. Yeah, actually there are, there's a couple of things. Um, so at, at, at scrum.org, there's a, a number of initiatives that, that we're working on at the moment, One of uh, some of which are out in the public domain, uh, Nexus and our scale professional scrum, which is um, basically providing guidance to organizations that are trying to get teams of teams to work together up to a certain point. Interestingly, we, we did a lot of research. The reason why we didn't release as quickly as some of our friends in the other communities have released around their scaling approach is because we wanted to harvest practices and and see how people are doing and it and it was interesting that there's a finite size of organization of of when everybody's working on the same backlog when everybody's working on the same product with we look we about a hundred people yeah give or take is about as many people as you can get you know so about sort of nine scrum teams ten scrum teams is about as as much as you can get and when it, otherwise it starts becoming incredibly un, in a, ineffective. And it's funny when you look at then what you do, well, it tends to be engineering and architecture practices rather than organizational planning practices that become very relevant. We, we call it Nexus Plus. So the ideas around, guess what, a, a product line architecture, guess what, high cohesion, low coupling. No surprise, cohesion and coupling doesn't just apply to great software, it it describes the building of great software. If you can get that sort of that you know that 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 those mechanisms in place to reduce the um, the coupling between 
the dependencies and between the teams, then you start building great, great software. Technical debt, well, yes, no surprise. As you scale, technical debt becomes a nightmare because it's like walking through treacle or what do you call it? Molasses here, don't you? Don't know why it's differently called in America. Strange. But the, um, you know, it's just sort of like all these sort of things become relevant. So, as part of this sort of scaling thing and with Nexus and Nexus Plus and the ideas around that, a lot of good engineering practices are coming into it. We've realized that actually we, we're having to think a little bit more about how we get done, done, as it were. So Ken has been thinking about this a lot and we've, and we've been you know, working with some of the people on this. And the idea of an SDK, now hang on a minute. A software development kit, right? That's what an SDK is. Well, we're using a pun, an, a literal Scrum development kit. The idea is that it's the embodiment. It's everything that you need to deliver working software. It's the, it's the infrastructure, as it were, to produce uh, working software. And it really focuses on three things, principles, practices, and tools in an, in, with environments and, and infrastructure around it. And it's... And it's, and it, it, we think it might be an artifact that organizations can use that can embody the necessary mechanisms to deliver done working software effectively across multiple teams. And, and, and can I ask, is that, how is that different from just any of the commodity pe- platforms of service offerings that are out there now? It, it's approaching it from a slightly different point of view. Okay. I mean, because the, the problem with tool vendors, which is where all of this is coming from, and, and they're doing a fabulous job, you know, Pivotal, Bluemix, or, yeah. or doing all that, all the PaaS vendors doing a fantastic job. They're concentrating on their own tools. And yes, they are providing a lot of that, but they don't, you know, like there's some other practices to get teams to work together, for instance, to, to effectively deliver done software. You know, uh, so a principle might be ensure visibility across teams of dependents. How do you do that? Well, a practice might be a shared backlog. That's a pretty, pretty sensible practice. And a tool might be Jira, (laughs) maybe, you know, so, um, uh, sorry, big fan of Jira, but sometimes when you've got multiple teams working in it, it can get a little bit little bit wood for trees kind of thing. But, but so, the, 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 so the bottom line is trying to think about it more broadly than just, all right, is some build scripts. All right, is a container structure. All right, is some protocols. All right, you know, and, and here's an idea and it's SaaS, great. Have fun, go off, enjoy. It's more broader than that. It's trying to, and, and maybe this won't fly, maybe it will, but having some, in, some artifacts, some, something in place that helps us think about that, it's certainly become very evident when we look at implementations of Nexus, when we look at teams of teams working together effectively, delivering, trying to deliver so hard, trying to deliver working software at least at the end of each sprint. And that's integrated software. Yeah. You know, we, we, it appears that they need something an arch- something to fit something to help them glue this together and and the term that we coined was sdk pun in pun was intended yeah. you know and um we'll see where that goes but can i ask can i just i'll ask an open question is that where scrum.org is like targeting to do a go-to-market where you would go to scrum.org and you would get a uh, i want to call it a full-blown solution which includes the ability to number one integrate with any of the commodity pass platforms that are out there but also to do all the other, I want to say, kind of integration and dependency tracking activities that are necessary, like you said, to release code, but are not in the technical components of all the past solutions that are currently in existence. 
I mean, <laughs> uh, I'm just Ken, asking. Ken, Ken basic bloody hell. I mean, Ken's like, yeah, that's what we should provide. I'm a little bit less in, uh, keen on that, hence the arguments with who's the product owner anyway. But the, what's, what's, what's interesting about this is that Scrum.org is a community it is a training like we, we use, actually, we use community driven um, um, development using Git and GitHub to develop the training materials to continually innovate them. Ken reviews them and has the final say, but ultimately they're being built by this community of 160 people or refined by this community. So it's training and it's assessments, a vehicle for, you know, proving that the that people understand the knowledge, you know, that that's represented in the training materials, but also often broaden that and in the scrum guide etc and then we support the, the scrum guide just from an infrastructure sort of point of view um that's what we do as a business that's what we as a sorry as an organization okay. as a mission now the problem with you know so what you're describing is something much broader than that yeah. it, it requires us to be a software company really a real software company and you know i was a, a chief product officer at a company called Tasktop, um and that's why i was until i i joined uh, scrum.org and so i know what it takes to build you know, a software company. And, you know, we managed to get funding. I saw it grow from 10 people to almost 100. You know, I've been through that and it's a really exciting journey, but but Scrum.org isn't that. What I think we can provide though, is we can provide a mechanism to get community to start working on this in a way, gluing these things together. We can provide, as we did with Scrum, a lightweight because I, you know, I'm not, a big advocate, even though I was the product manager of RUP, of these hugely comprehensive methodologies. As soon as you become very, very prescriptive, you have to then continually grow it because everybody, it's not quite the same in this company or this company. So we have to provide a lightweight framework that allows effectively these things to evolve and be created because they are missing. You know, it's so hard to deliver done working software, particularly at scale, particularly when you've got multiple teams working on it, particularly when it needs to be robust, it needs to be secure, it needs to be uh, changeable, it, it needs to manage technical debt in an effective way, it needs to evolve appropriately, but it also needs to change quickly. You know, all these things are hard. And so we need to provide some of the, some of the glues. And maybe it's Maybe it's initially just a framework thinking about this. Maybe it's a mechanism for getting people to talk about this. For, for instance, let's talk about release management. All right. So I'm going to talk about uh, um, Circle CI. I'm going to talk about Jenkins. Oh, I'm also going to talk about Electric Cloud. Oh, I'm going to talk about, hang on a minute. Is that a release management? Don't know. Is it? Is it? The idea of principles, practices, and then tools on top of that gives us a mechanism to put some structure to it. Because at the moment, it's a mess. And, and I think that's, that's our role. And to build a community and to partner and build some bridges with these vendors to allow people to start d discussing this in context, in the context of releasing working software every, every sprint. Anyway, do, does that make sense? So, I, so the yeah. answer is kind yeah. of yes and no. It's funny. Yeah. What I'll just share, if you're not aware, um, the organization I work with, we work with a lot of different government agencies here in the United States and in, in government, public sector, there's actually a common pattern emerging to have what a lot of times they call it like a common development environment, which if you're, if you're a supplier, you're a vendor, you'll be mandated to use by acquisition policy in a contract, but they solve the problem. I guess I was just asking about, cause you get in access to this environment and it will have a tool like Jira to do issue tracking. It will have um, tools to do, you know, dependency management, link to architecture repositories. 
it will have a PaaS solution like Cloud Foundry, and it's all there, and you just log it and use it and do your work, and it's great, actually. So, um, so I guess I'm sure that in public sector, there's been some work done, uh, really with with our tax dollars here in the U.S. to build those things, and having had the privilege to actually work in environments with that, it, it's great actually because you show up and on you know on day one, all that stuff you used to have to do to get ready to do to to write some code, commit and push, it's just there. Oh, and by the way, we included a nice Jira template that you know sets up your your story, so it's easy to look and see parity across teams. So I just think it's cool, and it's neat to hear that your approach that you're recommending from yeah. Scrum.org aligns to things that I've seen again here in the states. Uh, public sector organization organizations already make significant investments in. So it, it's funny because at Tasktop, one of the most important things when you're growing, you know, you, you get your VC money, obviously you waste a million of it on a new website, a fancy new logo and all that. But after that, no, obviously we didn't do that at Tasktop, but some people do. <laughs> uh, then, um, uh, then after that, the dust settles and you start hiring people. One of the most important single things that you can do with a developer is push some production code within a X. Is it a day? Is it two days? Is it a week? And you do that via pairing. You do that via lots of things. So what we did at Tarstop is we built basically some of the stuff, you know, that we built using Confluence. Uh, this is, oh, so this is how you do it. This is how it fits with Jira. This is the story kind of thing of how, and this is how it all works. And you could very quickly do it, but there was big gaps in it. So yeah, it, it's, um, I think we need to do that. And, you know, part of me, thinks is it because you know there's a lot of mediocre developers in the world uh no actually uh it isn't it is because it's so bloody hard when, particularly when you get teams of teams when you get stack quite complex stacks when those when those stacks not everybody knows everything about everything as much as we sort of have the sort of almost romantic notion that a team of seven to you know nine you know your, your, your scrum team uh people can um, actually know everything necessary to deliver working software to production, that, that is a little naive, I think, or romantic. You know, the reality is it's a lot more complex than that. So if we can embody that in a way that allows them to rapidly deliver working software, you know, I mean, even just the definition of done, a consistent definition of done, how many of your customers, how many of your situations do you have a consistent definition of done across multiple teams? a baseline that you can all the, then just, you know, sort of maybe you specialize or, and add additional things. You're like, oh, well, no. In fact, how many times do you even find a blooming definition of done? You have to sort of uncover it, you know, in, in your own, it's, it's atrocious. And then implementing that, you know, there's, it's just, it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a mess. And I think that's one of the things we're, we're very keen on doing because I think that we, we need to help that. And it's, you know, maybe it's a connection with um, the craftsman movement. Uh, maybe it's a connection with uh, organizations like um, our friends at GitHub. Um, um, you know, Stack Overflow, maybe it's another, you know, maybe it's we can build because we're mission based. We have the luxury of being able to build these bridges without saying how much money is in it for me. You know, um, the, uh, you know, maybe we can start doing some of these things and, and start getting helping developers deliver done. <laughs> That's pretty much all I really want to do. If you've listened to more than a few of our more than 100 episodes, you know that we don't often read commercials on the show, and this episode's no different. But I'd like to take a moment to thank all of our supporters that joined our private Slack channel. On our private Slack channel, the hosts of This Agile Life talk with our supporters, 
about our daily challenges as we continue living our Agile lives. In this episode, I would also like to personally thank Stefan Martinov. Stefan started supporting the show back in September 2015. Stefan, thank you for your support. We feel honored that you listen to the show. If you want to join Stefan in our private Slack channel, go to thisagilelife.com forward slash community. One of the things I see when, when I'm out consulting and working in industry is that even if they have a definition of done, it's always different. Everybody has a different definition of done, whether they're trying to game what done means so they can call something finished before it really is or what. But there's so many of these things that we have to have conversations around as we're just trying to deliver working software that if we could just agree upon a base level for a lot of these things, it would take them off the table in terms of even having to have the discussion. So having something like this, that's sort of a blueprint that you can use. that says we're using this. It comes with a baseline set of things and let's go, let's build on top of that from there. That'd be a good way to get people started. And then you inspect and adapt on it. You know, you, I mean, that's the whole point. You don't gives you a start point, you get going and you know, it's fine. And, and yes, in some organizations in Bank of America and Fidelity Investments, et cetera, you'll have these and they'll be unique to those environments, but, but there might be some overlap as well. And yeah, because John, I mean, you're, you've got a lot of test experience, right? You're a bit of a, bit of a tester. That's not an insult, by the way. I, I mean that in, out of love. Um, uh, so I can imagine it must frustrate you massively when all these organizations have such variety of definitions of done, right? Sure, of course, yes. Because, because as a tester, you're trying to get consistency. You're trying not to be this massive overhead. And so the best way of doing that is, to, is a clear and concise definition of done, and then everybody's on the same page, at least at the start. So, so, so. can I ask a question about that? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to channel my inner Amos here. Amos is another one of our hosts on the podcast, too. If you haven't listened to our prior episodes, uh, Dave, he has in the past been very, I don't say critical of some scrum practices. And <laughs> and in particular, something I know that Amos believes very strongly because Amos and I have gone back and forth kind of debating pros and cons of scrum on this podcast is how sometimes scrum's desire to push towards standard practice. And again, what you're saying right here, this idea of we have a standard definition of done across all our teams. Some would say that that challenges the autonomy of a self-managing team. And, it does. And, yeah. and my role, I'll share, I run an ideation, I run a business innovation and ideation practice. And so I have even very recently been out doing ideation sessions, attempting to help organizations define a common definition of done. And development teams will put their own, that won't work for us. I, we're different than that team over there. And so we don't care that they have that. We're, we're not doing that. And they get up in the room and they always walk out. So in an environment like that, what would you do to promote this idea that we need to start to align to some standards to control the complexity of our environment? So it, 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 it's really, really interesting. So there's two ways of dealing with that. One way, which I did when I was the product manager, that's a complete failure. And one way that I, I think has been very successful with Scrum. So when I was the product manager, uh, people said two things to me. They said, um, this is brilliant, but you know, we're building mission critical, embedded, DOD-centric, heat-seeking specialist systems. So we need some content in it. And I would say, because I was the product manager that liked to say yes, uh, I would say, yeah, give me some content. We'll add it to the row. 
And then another guy would come to me and say, Rob's so big and so complicated. I don't know what to do with it. Now, those two things were massively, I mean, it was, I was by whatever, by annoyed, bipolar. I don't know. I was having this complete sort of like breakdown every, every meeting that I had with customers because I had these two very different things. I always erred to put things in to add more and more complexity. Scrum's done the exact opposite. And, and actually, this is an interesting sort of dynamic of Ken and Jeff. Jeff is definitely at it kind of guy he he's incredibly smart and i mean both of them are but he's got oh we should add this this is really good this is a fantastic you know a set of ideas let's add it to scrum i think it makes sense you know uh, refinement or grooming as it was known yeah so we should do always do this and this and this and and ken always pushed back and said look what we need to do is provide a framework not a methodology and and you need to provide just enough to allow people to work together so they can get into an environment and, and, and a cadence that allows them to inspect and adapt and to get feedback. And to do. So we just put enough. That's all. Just enough. In the same way as at a sprint, we always just do enough to deliver on our sprint goal, you know, ensuring that we deliver on a definition of done. But we, we, we don't, you know, gold play, shine our shiny apples. We don't do those sort of things. Now, so that means so. So taking that sort of context, we need to provide a mechanism that provides just enough. It doesn't need to be the most comprehensive thing. And it could start just with principles and practices. You know, most people, at least from a principle point of view, accept certain principles, that these are the bare minimum so we can work together. You know, that's, it's called a society. You know, you, you have to have a set of rules to allow you to work together. You know, you, you can't, Actually, in America, it's a little different. I was going to say you can't just buy a gun and go off shooting it, but um, <laughs> anyway, so, you, know, well, you really should. I don't know if this is sad. We could we could, we, we could do a political podcast if you want to. <laughs> no, no, no. But no, I'm not. I'm not saying it's bad or good. But there's certain things you just don't do. You know, I, for instance, I can't walk around with absolutely no trousers on. Um, in Germany, totally fine. Here, no chance. You know, so um, my speedos cause issue. I'm not totally sure why. But the anyway. <laughs> but the point is that there's certain norms and there's certain things you have to conform to. Now, that doesn't mean that everybody has to conform because there's certain situations where you literally have to, you know, have you know, may, may, uh, maybe there's a reason why you have to. I'm doing a triathlon. I'm going to have to wear my speedos. Um, you know, out in public. Uh, that's a situation that's slightly different. Does that mean that the norm hasn't changed? No, but it means you do get these things. What we need to find in software development is a similar sort of set of principles and practices that we all have to conform to, to be citizens of this development, whatever it means. And then certain ones that maybe we specialize differently because of the uniqueness of our, of our situation. But if we can get that framework in place, if it can be light enough to allow freedom whilst restrictive enough to ensure that there's not massive amount of waste coupled with, you know, disconnection coupled with pain, then I think we're, we're all good in this. And from my experience, you know, there's, there's two, there's two types of person, really. There's people that actually do have a legitimate, like criticism of something. And there's just because, you know, those guys, well, I've always done it. No, we can't do that because, and frankly, it's sort of like the and book game. I don't know if you played this game. You know, you can you, if you if you follow something with an with a but, then it's it 
it's really problematic. You can always find these things. And we're engineers or we're crea- or craftsmen, sorry. We're craftsmen, so we can always do that. If you try to always say and, then it changes the whole dynamic. And ultimately, I think we have to get out of this, well, I want to do it like this because that's just what I do. And instead say, hey, you know, what is the minimum? Let's concentrate on that and then try to build from there out and then specialize as necessary. Anyway. I'd like to pull Craig into the conversation here because as as we are talking about the definition of done, Craig seemed to have a feeling, it sounded like Craig, and you correct me if I'm wrong here, that starting with the definition of done harms the team's self or principles of self-organizing. Craig, is that a fair characterization of where you're headed? Um, I, I find a little concern, uh, like Jason's case, where definition of done is is set in stone for you, and it might be more complex than you need, but I, I understand there's a balance. Um, usually the way I like to do it is have something prescriptive, and but make sure that you understand the principles behind it before you go changing it. I think the, the principles uh, are really important to understand why we're recommending doing something a certain way. And if you, if you want to do something a different way, you have to uh, demonstrate that you understand the principles and, and before you can make an exception to the rule. And so did you feel that, I, that uh, did you feel that Dave's uh, explanation uh, after, after that comment sort of satisfied your feelings about definition of done and self-organizing? Um, so somewhat, I, I think it, it's really a matter of how it's implemented, you know? Mm. Um, the thing I tend to run uh, into it, with, with teams and the concept of self-organizing is, you know, yes, we self-organize about what we're going to do technically, how we're going to perform that technically, or how we're going to implement the solution technically. But because we're self-organizing, that doesn't mean that the team gets to self-organize itself back into waterfall. So where do you draw the line? Yeah. 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 And, and I think, and I think scrum has that a lot more than especially like XP uh, that people are, claiming to do scrum, but they're doing only portions of scrum and they've no. thrown out a piece of scrum because they didn't understand the, the benefits. And so they just aren't doing those things. And so they come in and they're like, well, scrum's not working. Well, if you took a look, they're not really doing scrum anymore because they didn't understand some of the pieces and threw them out. Yeah. So there, there's this tension. There's definitely this tension of um, prescriptive versus self-organizing. And, and it, I don't know really how to draw the line because you, you run into trouble both ways. You, you bring you bring up a great point there, Craig, that I wanted to follow up with Dave about. And, and Dave, I guess the question is, or the, the comment here is that in my time, I've seen a lot of people out there talking about, well, Scrum says this and Scrum says that. And people who are operating, you know, within a given set of constraints and are trying to do their best, but are either half informed or, or worse off, not not half informed even, and they're out there telling people this is what Scrum is and this is how you should do it and kind of giving Scrum a a bad name. What is it What is it that you're doing and the Scrum.org is doing to kind of maybe try to work with that? So one of the – we talked earlier. That's, that's a really, really good question. We talked earlier about why is Scrum.org exist. And one of the things that Ken's been almost maniacal about is membership to our professional Scrum training community, our PSTs, we have a significant failure rate. We don't like to say failure. We just right, we like to say not ready 
yet, right? <laughs> um, because, you know, failure sounds like you'll never be. And, and that is, we hope is rare. We just, we find, you know, some people aren't quite in the level of maturity or, or experience or, or, or even, or I don't want to say intelligence, but have that sort of knowledge that, that's necessary. So one thing that we've been very, very, very conscious of and very focused on is this, is, is ensuring that the licensed professional scrum trainers are consistent. So one of the rules is if you teach a PSM, PSD, PSPO, um, SPS class, it has to be it has to be the same class. You can't. You know, it's very different to Scrum Alliance where you're actually encouraged to create your own materials and deliver your own class um, in, in your own way. And that means, you know, that you get different views. Funny, a large financial institution that um, is in the Boston area recently reached out to me and, and said, hey, I'm a little bit worried, you know, this scrum thing. Everybody says they're doing it, but I've looked at all these different teams and they're all doing it differently. And we did an assessment. We took some of the mechanisms that we have, our assessment vehicle, and I chopped it up a little bit and I gave it out. And it was just bizarre, the inconsistencies of people's knowledge of what should be in a backlog and what does a sprint review and, you know, what, what, why we do a daily scrum. You know, it was all about velocity, burn down and dare I say, status reporting. I'm like, no, you know, it was just it was just um, it was very worrying. And, you know, we we can't fix the entire world because but what we can do is we can be very clear on the people that are doing what we call professional scrum, you know, that they that they they understand the values that they have. The mechanics, consistent mechanics are important and that they, they have the experience that can, can do it in a, you know, to, to base it on the foundation to base it on. So we're, we're, we're trying to, and we continue to sort of like drive that and, and assessments are important. Um, some things that are, so watch this space at, at Agile 2016. We're going to be making some announcements about, dare I say, a curriculum, dare I say, levels of, of assessment that, that allow you to start validating at least consistent terminology, at least consistent approach to Scrum, at least a consistency. And uh, because and you're right, I think it's, it's very, very worrying. And, it's, and it has devastated. You get five consultants in a room and they've got six ways of doing Scrum. And that's not saying they're bad, but they just don't fit together. And that, that can be a serious challenge. So I've got one other question for you. Are, are you the one that I'd lobby to change uh, Sprint to an iteration? <laughs> Dude, I had this process called <laughs> RUP. Um, you might have heard of it. You know, it's just, it was the most popular process. I had groupies. It was a good time. Um, and, it, and we had iteration in there. Uh, it's cool. Yeah, the, the phrase Sprint is a little bit it, it's exhausting isn't it just even to say it but um yeah. it is yeah it i i doubt we'll ever get that and scrum master is always going to be a scrum master even though yes that ken in his moments says you know perhaps that was a mistake but the um you know it, it's hard to change these things it it you, I am the right person to lobby. Or you can go on to the actual, interesting, you can go to scrumguide.net and you can, um, or .org, is it .net? No, I think it's .org. Uh, and you can actually change, you can, there's a user voice and you can say, oi, 
and, uh, and Ken and Jeff do read it. In fact, well, I read it and compile it and then give it to them to read. But the, but the point is that, that the information is there and uh, you, can, you can lobby for things to be changed, not promising they will be changed. You know the difference between a terrorist and a methodologist? You can reason with a terrorist. <laughs> well, yeah. Dave, we we have way more questions and content, I'm sure, to share than than we have time for the show. But are the, so we're going to wrap it up here. Do you have any parting thoughts or our our calls to action for our listeners? I, I guess I guess I mean it's been an absolute pleasure. You chaps are, are, are really fun to chat to. I could, if we'd got beers and a and a long evening in a cold, wet pub in England, I think we could change the world. Oh, guys. absolutely, no question. Um, but I, I guess for the for listeners, I guess you know, just professional scrum guys. Actually, scrums, yeah, simple, easy. But read the guide. Remind yourself what it is. Emphasize the principles. It's about empirical process. It's about transparency so that you can inspect and adapt. The, the reason why you have a, a daily scrum isn't to do status reporting. It's about inspection and adaption so we can get better on a daily level, on a daily cadence. Uh, the sprint review is about improving on that sprint level. That doesn't mean you can release software to production continuously. The sprint review is not a phase gate. Don't consider it like that. It is a mechanism to do that inspection and adaption. It'd be ideal if that software's in production so you can inspect and adapt on that. You know, think about building your team, allowing it to be self-organized, allowing it to be to be to to to, to really deliver on that on that goal. Empower your product owner. Support your scrum master. And then if you're working at scale, you're gonna have to balance some of those flexible dynamic natures with some consistency like we talked about the stk today it's a set of ideas it's still early stages you'll see more stuff on that coming out from scrum.org these ideas are trying to get that balance the balance that we manage with the scrum framework hopefully we can now get that across architectures and across teams so they can build working software at least at the end of each sprint that's probably all I'd leave you with. And, you know, have fun, smile, you know. Great words to live by. Before we let you go, Dave, I want to give Jason a chance to tell us about something he's got planned for the near future here. Jason, you want to let the audience know what you've got going on? Oh, I thought we weren't doing that. Okay. Well, no, I'm just talking because I'm, I'm organizing a Agile Coach Camp 2016 in St. Louis, Missouri. It's in October, um, October 14, 15, and 16, and we're in the process of finalizing details. So, there's been a big hubbub. Hey, can I register? And our, our joke is not yet, but um, I'll go on record and say that I believe we have a venue that can probably host the largest coach camp we've ever had. So if you do want to join us in October 2016 for coach camp, I think we'll be able to find space for you. So uh, our website is uh, uh, we'll put it in the show notes, but it's www.stl agile open space, which is uh, an organization in St. Louis that was hosting and you can get more information there. So Hopefully we'll see him. Our friend, uh, our mutual friend, Ryan Ripley was tweeting at me recently saying, where's Jason? Where's Jason? What's going on with agile code camp? Yeah. Jason, Jason was busy. coach camp rather. Jason did my, I went coast to coast in six weeks, Boston to San Diego, nine events, 1400 people. That's a story in and of itself. So <laughs> Ryan, we'll see you at coach camp. Leave it at that. Yeah. Well, we've been speaking with Dave West, the product owner of Scrum.org. Dave, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. It has been an absolute pleasure. Okay. Thanks, chaps. Have a, have a great evening. It's been a pleasure as well on my end. Great. 
Check out thisagilelife.com for these show notes and for all of our past episodes. Thanks for listening and keep living this agile life. This Agile Life is brought to you by a community of agile developers and coaches aspiring to spread the word about this groundbreaking approach to software development. Join us at thisagilelife.com forward slash community.